Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt, and this is the show where I get the pleasure and privilege of sitting down with some of the smartest, most interesting people in the world to talk about how we think. There's no way we can all know everything. We all have to make our own shortcuts. And it's always good to compare notes with each other on how we do that. Uh, these are the kinds of conversations I've been having all my life with my grandpa Carl in his front room, my grandma Roxy in her front room. And I got lots of different ways of looking at the world and great conversations, all leading me to this moment right now. Welcome into the front room, Brian Hoffman. Thank you, Tom. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, you are a lot of things. I wouldn't presume to even know all the things uh, <laughs> that, that you do. Uh, I know you're a pilot, among others. How, how do you describe things yourself? Wow. Um, probably a little bit of a uh, jack-of-all-trades. I am very fascinated about almost everything. I fly airplanes. I've been in the military. Um, I'm a... Uh, very knowledgeable enthusiast on solar, as you well know. Uh, I have a farm, love our trees, love our fish, got into genetics because of a friend of mine. Um, pretty much dabble in just about everything. I've got friends with all kinds of, of interests and hobbies. And every time I either fly with them or talk with them, I want to know what's going on and what, what the new thing is. And you've also been very kind uh, in in listening to this show and uh, and and sending me your impressions and thoughts, which is incredibly helpful uh, to to hear outside perspectives on that. So thank you for doing that. This show has been a fascinating show for me. Um, like you, I've had these conversations with either parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, my friend George, who was a World War II veteran, and. Like I've told you before, if we don't share knowledge, it's lost. So these conversations to me are fascinatingly fun to listen to. One one of the one of the things I love uh, about this is is a concept I picked up from Brian Brushwood, uh, which is that new light you get on how you think about things when you talk to someone else. And obviously everyone's mind goes to like, Oh, when you talk to someone you disagree with, which is true. Uh, but, but even when you talk with someone who you agree with and you know, you agree with, you'll say, Oh, but you believe this thing for a slightly different reason, or you brought in a piece of information I wasn't aware of. And I feel like everybody ends up uh, being richer because of that. I think the conversations where I don't agree with the other person is where I learn the most. Sure. You, ha you have to be willing to listen to the other side. So your word uh, to kick us off uh, today is fear. Why did, why did you pick that word? Fear is fascinating. Think about fear. We have, you know, the lizard brain, the monkey brain, the human brain, all the different parts of our brain as the, as the neurobiologist will tell you. It affects all three. It affects it positively, negatively. It, it causes us to do things and to not do things. It causes us to, to want to change stuff. It, it's a trillion-dollar industry, if you, if you think about 
all the stuff that, that happens because we're afraid to either be seen in public with our hair messy, smelling bad. I mean, all the things that go on, song and verse. I mean, artists after artist will talk about something that did or didn't happen. You know, um, the, fear the dance. Of missing out. <laughs> fear, fear, fear of missing out. FOMA. I mean, the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. All the stuff that's out there is just, it's amazing. And I've turned 60 and uh, I don't fear much, but I've had that conversation with myself where I notice I have more days behind me than I have in front of me. And some of those fears just melt away at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a certain amount of time left and you either go do those things or you don't. I I think one of the advantages you get the longer you live, uh, and, and I'm a little bit behind you, not too, not too far, but a little bit behind you. Uh, but, but one of the things you, you realize is the worst thing about fear is the experience of it, not the thing you're fearing. Not, not in every case there, there are certain things that you should be very afraid of. I'm not trying to discount that, but most of the things that you were talking about, you know, fear of smelling bad or, or fear of something going wrong or fear of missing out. The fear is actually the worst part. Uh, just, just last week. I had a procedure I had to do is perfectly routine procedure. It's totally normal. I talked about it on my newsletter. Uh, and as intellectually as I knew, like this is nothing, it's not a problem. There was just that little part of me that was the fear. It was way worse than the actual thing that, you know, took 20 minutes and was over. Uh, it's, it's right. I, I can't remember the actual phrase now, but there's one of those sayings like, uh, the thing is never as bad as the fear of it or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I've had friends and family members that get the big cancer diagnosis and you go, oh, holy shit, the world has changed. And you now have to either dive into it and learn and understand and be part of the process or hide from it. And I've seen people do both. And I think you have a much better outcome jumping in. It... Uh, it's interesting when I've uh, my wife has survived cancer and going to watch the uh, when she's doing the infusion. I'm sitting there with her in the lobby waiting for our turn, and you can look at all the faces. Some are fearful, mm-hmm. some are happy, some are there for the third time. My buddy George, that I talk about, World War II veteran, third time, fourth time he fin- it finally took him, um, but he didn't fear it anymore. It's just I have things to do. I'm going to go get yeah. them done. It's it's an amazing world we live in. Hey, not just for cancer, but uh, but a lot of things like that. I, I've heard people say that the worst part, and this doesn't isn't true for everybody. I'm not trying to throw everybody in the same bucket, but the the worst part for them was waiting to find out: Do I right. have leukemia? Do I have lung cancer? Do you know? Do I have whatever the disease is? The waiting was the worst. Once they got the diagnosis things were much easier, not because it was an easy disease, but because they, they got past the not knowing they got, they got to the point where like, okay, now I can do something about it. And there's a song about that. Yeah. What's the song? The waiting is the hardest part. Ah, yes. Yes. How could I forget? (laughs) (laughs) The thoughts about the wait. I've been there for several times watching things happen. Mm. And the worst wait is when, it's happening to somebody else when you're mm-hmm. the caregiver. Yeah. You're hope you're helpless and, and man, what a place to be. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a much smaller way than most of the, the ways we're talking about here, but you know, my dog had cancer, uh, and I feel like that impacted me even more than my dad having a stroke in a lot of ways, uh, partly because, uh, I couldn't do anything about it, you know, and dogs, you can't really talk to them about it. You can't talk them through it. You can't explain what's going to happen. Uh, so, so I get what you're saying in, in lots of different ways when you, are not the person going through it. A lot of times it's worse. I, I, I always say funerals are, are for the people left behind. They, I, Funeral I, for the I, family. Yep. Yeah. I, I used to say, I don't care what you do after I'm dead, but now I realize, you know what? I have a little bit of an obligation to, to figure it out so that, because they're the ones that are going to have to deal with it, not me. Yeah. But I want five minutes for my rebuttal. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to execute on that one? I don't know. I'll record something. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Good. That's good. Um, fear is a good thing. It can be. It, it, it's you. It's often debated as a bad thing, but but it's a good thing. It's 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 only bad when it goes haywire. Uh, would would you agree that that mostly fear is trying to warn us against something? Well, I look at fear three different ways. Mm. You've got fear that that helps us and protects us, like fear of fire, mm-hmm. fear of venomous snakes, fear of falling off a cliff. Those fears are, are good fears, and they help us. They, they keep us alive. You have the fear over here, you know, the rest of the people in the tribe screaming, hey, threat coming. Mm-hmm. That, that, that now, you know, fight or flight. We now know what to do. We're either part of that process or we're not. Um, you have irrational fears, fear of a clown. Uh, you know, some people fear things that – I don't know if that's that, irrational, Brian, but go ahead. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. Well, fear of something that's yeah, irrational. Yeah. How is that? <laughs> I know. Um, but you have a fear that you don't know – you can't explain why you have that fear. Well, that one's obviously hindering you. Mm-hmm. The word wallflower comes from people who are afraid to go ask somebody to dance. You know, we've, we've all seen it. We've all been there. There's movie after movie about that as well. The outcome can either be – you have nothing, which you already have, or you could be slightly humiliated, or you could go dance with the person you want to dance with. Two of those outcomes are okay. One's great. Um, but people look at the one outcome of humiliation and go, that's, that's hard. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that, and then you've got the other fears which are given to you. We have some words right now that are being bantered around in our, in our society. And some people don't want to get those labels. So they fear an action that may cause them to be labeled. Mm -hmm. I don't fear being labeled anymore because I know who I am. I know what I believe in. I served my time in the military to protect and defend the Constitution. I know what I stand for. You want to label me with something? Go ahead and try. We'll have that. Well, I'll have a conversation with you. However long it takes. Getting to to those three types of fear specifically, um, I feel like when fear is a bad thing, it's because we're our signaling system is messed up. Uh, you touched on, you know, in, in the tribe or the community uh, in the old days, the fear of the dark forest was that was a good thing. Because uh, you know what? In the forest, you can't see the threats and there are threats in there. Don't go in the dark forest. Makes sense. Fear of the dark in your own house is kind of that going haywire. If you, if you right. catch my meaning, uh, it's, it's the old fear that used to work really well, but suddenly it's, it's, it's out of whack. How do you tell for yourself when to overcome a fear and when to listen to it? 
I had a very, very, very good friend um, way back in my early career where I was working on some pretty cool projects behind closed doors with big locks on them that said, no matter what the problem is, I can always make it worse. <laughs> I.e., I can be afraid or I can do something stupid. So I, being a pilot, have training, very specific training to, to teach me how, hey, when the big red light goes on, what am I supposed to go do? First thing you need to do is take a breath and make sure, recognize, confirm, and then do whatever recovery. So I fall back on those those skills quite often. But what I will tell you is when I was really young, the first time I ever experienced a fear like that, I was I woke up in the middle of the night. I was I was six, seven, eight years old, I don't remember, but I heard this thumping noise and it kept getting louder mm. and louder. It turned out it was my heartbeat. <laughs> but my own fear yeah. was causing me to be more fearful. Which caused your heart to beat more, which caused the thumps to, to get closer. Yeah. Right. And so when oh, I wow. finally figured that out, I went, uh -huh. okay, I can control that one. Mm -hmm. That one's interesting. Yeah. And I think that's that was the start of my interest in the word fear is, huh, it can be good or bad. So how do so, you how do you tell when it's good or bad? Man, that's that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um how do you? If how do you a, do it? Me? Um, yeah. Well, I uh, I prepare. Mm -hmm. I prepare for all kinds of stuff. As you well know, I have a farm. So on the farm, there are there there can be venomous snakes. I have a big body of water, so I can have water snakes. Some of them venomous, some of them not. We have a big forest, so there could be you know copperheads. We could have water moccasins, rattlesnakes, whatever. So you don't just stick your hand in a big pile of brush. Yeah. You make sure you check it first. You learn. So you, you learn what to do. You, <laughs> right. You just learn how to stop that being a problem. Mm -hmm. When something shows up unannounced, like an Amazon guy came to the house the other day with a big headlight on his, on his forehead. And he was moving towards the house in an odd manner because he was walking around our driveway. Uh -huh. But he also, we had one, one car parked there that I didn't know. Our, our neighbor had parked one of the cars in our driveway. So he's sure, walking sure. around the car and it looked like something really odd was going on. Well, yeah, the first yeah. thing I did was take a quick look. And then the next thing I do is go confront it, open the door. Hello. So I'm more of a confronter of, of bad problems instead of a runaway from bad problems. In the training, we've always been taught there are wolves, sheep, and sheepdogs. The, the, the decision you have to make is which one are you? Mm. And do you want to stay that way? I prefer being the sheepdog. And so, therefore, I, that requires me to do certain training, and it requires me to have certain advantages and disadvantages. And I take certain risks because of it, but I'm okay with that. So, the knowledge is, is the way to get around it. Have you ever had a, a situation where you experienced fear and we're glad and listened to it, you know, because you're like, oh yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad the fear came up because that stopped me from doing X or, or suffering X. The largest fear I ever had that I can recall, uh, Canyonlands National Parks, beautiful place, but there is a trail that is on the edge of about a 1500 foot drop off. Mm -hmm. my, my wife and I were there with our three young children, two, five and seven at the time. I did not like being on that ridge at all because young children, you, they don't understand the fear of that. Mm -hmm. I got off that ridge as fast as I could. That was one of those fears where you go, I lost control mm -hmm. and I didn't prepare correctly. 
So, yeah, that that was a fear that that stayed with me for a little while with the adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, a beautiful place. I love going there. Have you ever been thankful for a fear where you're like, "Ooh, I'm glad, I'm glad I had the fear response because if I hadn't, I would have done something dumb." Whew, wow. Um, probably. Um, and and, and if you, top. if you think of one and you're like, yeah, I don't want to share that one. That's totally fair. Like I'm not there, trying to yeah, push there's you one or two. It. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that's not fine. That's fine. But you know what I mean? Um, that, that moment when, when you're, when you, you realize like, oh, I'm, I'm glad I, I have emotions. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> fear is a great thing, but it's a tool. And the, the one, the one thing I will say about fear is. Fear is designed to be overcome. It's designed mm-hmm. to be conquered. And I think a lot of people lose that perspective of fear. Now, I'm not going to stick my hand on top of a burning stove mm-hmm. just so I can, quote, unquote, overcome that fear. I, I know better. Yeah, that, I can put that's, on. A, that's a really it, – it's a small but a great example of, of a fear that's very serviceable. The fear of getting burned uh, by the stove, uh, it's it's not a fear you should overcome. Uh, it's and, right. and it's not a fear that's going to debilitate you, right? Fear doesn't have to. Fear can be respected and like, oh, yeah, no, that's a good one. I'm, it's not going to ruin my life, but it's going to save me from getting burned. But you're not born with that fear. Mm-hmm. You have to be taught that fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the interesting thing about all that. Some you are born with, some you have to be taught, some are bestowed upon you. Fear is an interesting word. Yeah, I feel like fear is something that uh, you do. You have to. There there are some innate fears. Uh, there there are a lot, and in fact, a sure. lot of phobias come out of innate fears: fear of spiders, fear of snakes. Those, those are preservations. Uh, and then once you learn, oh wait, not all snakes are bad. Here's how to tell the good ones for the bad ones. Here's how to do the right thing. Then then you've overcome that fear. But I do think that once once you get past being afraid of fear, I think, is the thing people have to get past. Uh, you, you is when you can sort that out. Do you think? I would agree with that, but I will say there are no bad snakes. There are venomous snakes and non-venomous snakes, but all of them play a partner in our. Uh, oh, sure. There's just ones I'd rather world. not bite me. Put it that way. <laughs> I prefer they all not bite me, but yeah. There's there, we'll there's ones there. that are harder to deal with than others, maybe. Right. Some take shots. The others don't. Yeah. Yeah. Snakes are a great one because, you know, the fear of snakes prevents someone from risking, you know, putting themselves in harm's way. But overcoming the fear of snakes helps them appreciate it in the way that you're saying here, that that you can now see the value of all the snakes in their different niches and, and how they play their part. Right. And we're not on their we're not on their food list. So they're, they do not want to bother us. They'd rather get away. They're afraid, actually. <laughs> they're afraid. Yeah, yeah. They're, their lizard brain is saying they want to run away. Because they're literally lizards. So that's a, that's all they got to go with. Um, right. Yeah, I I feel like there's stages in, in in as you grow with fear. Tell me tell me what you think of this. Uh, is first, you know, learning how to deal with fear, learning how to overcome fear. And then I, w- I would say, you know, people who have moved past that, like yourself, it's learning to respect fear. It's 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 knowing that there's a certain element of fearlessness uh, that that would be foolishness and, and knowing that line. I agree with that. That's one of the things I wrote. I said uh, another word for fear is intense respect. And it's whether for a thing or a process. Yeah, yeah. Um, respecting what it can or can't do and how it's either beneficial or harmful. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are there fears that you think you you still need to conquer? Oh, of course. I'm yeah. human. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, did I come up with a list? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, are, are there any you'd, you'd be willing to share? I'd, I, know, I know for me, it's, it's just anxiety. I have an anxiety disorder that causes me to just have generalized fear. And I've learned over time that the first thing I have to do is remind myself that unless there's something really obvious, there's nothing to be afraid of. This is just my body going out of whack. Uh, and then it's, it's writing it out basically. Uh, that that's, that's one that I, I still experience and, and I've gotten better and better over time at dealing with it. Uh, but it's, it's kind of the worst one because you, there's no object for it. It's, it's just a thing that crops up. I don't know that this is a real fear, but one of the things that, uh, that I think about is fear of not being able to help somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, when the, when the bell tolls, mm-hmm. I, I'm there to try to help other people right. often. And if I'm unable to help them, that's, that's going to be tough. The, the fear of, of being, of, of freezing or being prevented or what? No, just not being able to. Yeah. I I don't freeze up. I've had way too much training with, with military stuff and flying stuff and all the, all the different things I do in my life, but it know, just being impossible for you to, to correct render that. Not aid. able. Yeah. 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 Um, as a pilot, you're surrounded every day by a lot of people who are afraid of what you're doing. <laughs> the, the fear of flying, right? The people who get on a plane, uh, who, who no matter what, certainly people flying for the first time, but, but I know a lot of people who fly regularly and they're like, yep, I hate it. Hate takeoff. I hate landing. Uh, I, I imagine that you probably don't have a fear of flying, although I could be wrong. Uh, no fear of flying whatsoever. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I figured as much. What do you what do you say uh, to people? I'm sure you get this question a lot. Uh, who who are afraid of flying? How do, how do you help them out? One of the things I tell people is, if I'm not afraid, it, there's no good reason for you to be afraid. Mm-hmm. I've got way more experience, way more knowledge. I know how the airplane works. I know what weather it can withstand. I know how to go around the weather. Now, if something like clear air turbulence shows up, it, it can be forecasted or it could be unforecasted. I have a procedure in place if that happens. All of a sudden, we'll slow down the we'll slow the aircraft down. Therefore, we're not hitting it quite quote unquote as hard or as fast. So I I can mitigate certain problems, but the reality is, airplanes don't fall out of the sky. I mean, they're built by some of the smartest people and some of those dedicated people. They're, airplanes are really fascinating because if you watch what the FAA requires to certify an airplane to fly. It's going to be way stronger than anything I'm ever going to put it through to survive. And I always, I always tell people if I'm in the back deadheading between, you know, picking up this airplane or that airplane, look, if I'm in the back drinking a Coke or a coffee and you're, you're upset and you look over at me and I'm just drinking my coffee, you, you can stop being upset now because <laughs> if I'm not concerned, there's no real reason to be concerned. 
That's a, that's a good tip. Uh, I would call it modeling. Uh, you're, you're telling them yeah. to model your behavior, like uh, use, use yeah. me as the touchstone. Um, anything else, any other tricks? If someone's like, yeah, that's great. I understand that, but it's not helping. Oddly enough, if someone is really nervous or has a real anxiety going on, having them breathe deeply mm. and slowly causes the, 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 um, you have two systems, basically, the uh, voluntary and involuntary system in your body. Mm-hmm. The, your heart rate, you can somewhat control, but that takes a lot of effort. But your breathing weight, you can control really easily. You just inhale, exhale, right? Yeah. You can do that faster or slower. Well, if you can teach people to slow down their breathing, breathe deeper, and gross muscles. If you constrict your gross muscles just for a minute and then release them, mm-hmm. both of those things has a sympathetic relaxing of the involuntary system. They will become more calm. It's it's just the way the body works. So just have just having them breathe a little bit, you know, breathe deep, four or five breaths, you know, tighten up your core for a second, release. How do you feel? And they'll go, I feel better. Yeah. It's just a thing that works. It's pretty neat to watch. Yeah, it's it works. A, yeah, yeah. No, it's good, good advice. The deep breathing thing is, is something I've I've employed myself. Uh, many a time, it's something I learned in, in search and rescue training. Is they my my instructor called it uh, the rider and the horse. The horse is those involuntary systems, and you're the rider. Uh, right. And and so you uh, you you can usually control the horse. That you know your heartbeat being an, an example of that. You can do things to affect the horse, but sometimes the horse takes off, uh, and it's a little <laughs> harder to control. And you got to work a little harder to to get it back under control. And the other thing he was he was teaching us at the time was, and sometimes your horse is right. Sometimes the rider, yeah. you know, needs to pay attention to the horse. The horse is trying to tell you something. Um, right. Yeah. So th- there's a there's a line to to look at there. Do you uh, do you pay attention to your horse? <laughs> I probably pay more attention to my horse than I should sometimes. Yeah. Sim- simply because there are so many bad things that can happen. We're, I mean, we're in- inundated by the news and all the bad things, right? Mm-hmm. How how many news stories do you see of? something good going on. They're so far, few and far between that we just see more and more bad stuff. And then let's face it, since COVID people have kind of lost their minds driving on the highways, driving. Drifters. Eileen and I have noticed that there's just, just <laughs> more than ever since 2020 people just like, they just kind of drift along. Yeah. That's, it's wild. Yeah. So um, there's, there's more to be concerned about right now, unfortunately. I think we've lost some of our societal contract to do the right thing for the benefit of all. And- I I, th- I think those things go in cycles. Um, certainly, the news sure. thing is a product of the fact it's the product of our of our innate uh, fear sense that we want to know what to be afraid of. We we and so if you do a news source that is mostly good news, it will fail. Because the way we evolved is to pay attention to the threats, not the things that aren't going to threaten us. We all enjoy hearing good news, but it doesn't compel us the way dangerous news does. And so that that's one of the reasons you always see the bad news. Uh, um, But on top of that, you're right. We've had a we're we're coming out of a cycle of relatively good times uh, and, and, and going into a cycle of, of, of things being problems. And we're, we're seeing more problems than we have. 
I try to remind myself, you know, what it was like in the seventies, uh, you know, when you'd, you'd be driving along the highway and a, a bunch of motorcyclists would pass by and, and, and you'd, you'd wonder if they were up to no good or just motorcyclists. I, I haven't, I, it seems ridiculous now, like all the motorcyclists I know are fine, but you know, there, that's just one example of, of weird thing. There were m- many more weird things happening. I feel like back then, than even now. And so the, these things go in cycles, don't you think? And there's twice as many of us on the planet now. Yeah, that too. Right. So, it's a little more crowded. That's an interest. It's more crowded. So maybe we're getting more used to things. You're, yeah, that has good perhaps. and bad effects, don't you think? Uh, it can it can allow Absolutely. us uh, to run into more situations that we wouldn't otherwise and, and then get better at dealing with them, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. You you get to see a lot more of the world than most people, I would expect. Six continents so far. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when, I, when you fly I into really Antarctica, <laughs> it's on the list. It's absolutely on the list. Um, I'd like, I'd like to get there, but, uh, people around the world pretty much want the same thing. They want to leave things better for their children than they had. And that's pretty, pretty universal, no matter where you are, no matter what language they speak. And that's pretty interesting to see. We're a lot more similar than different, no matter who you put in the room. Yet we we have built-in fears or we have learned or trained fears mm-hmm. that really aren't doing us a whole lot of good. Yeah, I, I haven't traveled nearly as, as widely as you have, but, but in the amount that I have, uh, it, it was stunning to me to learn just how similar people are. There are uh, – there are cult- what are usually called cultural differences. I call them habits, uh, you know, and, and that's – those are similar things to when you you join a new book club or or you you start visiting a uh you move to a new town and you go to a new bar and you realize oh they they do things a little different here it's another version of that there there are social norms that people accept like oh you take off your shoes before you go in your in the house here okay that's just the way they do things but the fundamentals the things that are that that make us human that aren't just habits like that uh those are strikingly similar, like you say. And different. Try to order a beer in Australia, Ireland, Germany, and Japan. If you do it the exact same way, you're going to get four different answers. <laughs> yeah, those are the habits. The habits are different. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. The habits are different, so you have to know. Yeah. and and But once you get past that, they're all drinking beer, and for the same reason, usually. Yeah. They're just having a good time drinking with their buddies, yeah. reminiscing about whatever happened. Well, this has been this has been fun. I I was not afraid of this uh, conversation, but but the uh, being able to deal with fear and the, and the conversation around it has been great. And before we uh, get to the the final game, the word game, uh, is there anything else on, on fear that that you wanted to talk about? Well, uh, I have two statements I wrote, and that says uh, cowardliness is not the same thing as fear, mm-hmm. and courage is not. The lack of fear. Mm. Courage is overcoming the fear. Um, back to World War II people, they had a lot of courage. And they also didn't want to let their, their buddy beside them down. Um, courage is, is something I think we need to do an awful off, lot more teaching every generation. Mm-hmm. We, need to, we need to be able to stand up for the, that which is right. And the last thing I would say that I've kind of written down here is turn fear into an ally, not an adversary. 
Learn to control your fears. And you can do anything. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's real smart. Learn. I try to see fear as uh, an inert object, right? It's a it's a signal. Uh, sometimes that signal might be wrong. Sometimes it's right. Uh, but it it's merely a signal. It's an, it's not a thing that really can prevent you unless you let it. Whatever you do with that signal is how you handle that fear. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid of the signal. Don't be afraid of the signal because it's it's trying it's it's trying to tell you something something yeah. either good or something not so good. The trick the trick is figuring out what it's trying to tell you and then and then what you want to do with that, right? Right. Yeah. And if you do something proactively, you're probably gonna have a much better outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, uh, as you know, I like to finish with a little word game called this or that. Uh, are you ready to play? I'm in. All, All right. in. Here we go. Uh, first one, tea or coffee? Tea. Always tea. With honey. Tea with honey. I See, that the stereotype uh, of, of someone who's ex-military and a pilot would be coffee, coffee, coffee. So what, what's your favorite kind of tea? I don't drink coffee. Uh, Earl Grey. Hot? Hot. Yeah. yeah. Hot right. Earl Grey. Well, in Texas, you know, I have, I have my uh, sweet iced tea right here. Okay. All right. Yeah. But uh, if I'm drinking hot tea... Earl Grey is my favorite. Solar, Anything with lemon in it. Solar or wind? Ooh, probably solar. I got a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's more reliable where I'm at, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean it's more reliable everywhere. Sure. If I lived on the coast in Ireland, I'm going to want wind. Yeah, yeah. But if but if in, in Texas, I want solar. I was I was thinking that would be an easier choice the, than it, than it sounded, and that, that's a good reason why because it kind of depends on where you are. Uh, and where you are, fast or slow zombies? Fast zombies. Because I need the practice. <laughs> it's a health plan. I see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I used to shoot competitively for the military. Uh huh. And so fa- fast zombies would just be better targets. Ah, I see. It's a target practice thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That yes, makes sir. Sense. All right. Uh, DXB or LHR? Uh, Dubai. Dubai is just such an eclectic part of the world that uh, you literally can see or do almost anything. They have an indoor skiing. Yep. You know, snow snow skiing place. They have the world's largest indoor aquarium. They have the, obviously the tallest building, the Khalifa. They, they've got so many things that are one-offs that it's just – it's really, really – and everybody's welcome. Is that reflected just, in the airport as well? Yes, sir. Yeah, Airport's yeah. All right. very, very nice. Um, big, long runways, obviously, because it's hot. You have to have longer runway to take off and land on with the, with the temperatures. But uh, and obviously, decreased performance of the engine. Yeah. Really I, fi- I figured it was going to be better than LHR. <laughs> I guess I should have said LAX or LHR. Yeah. Ooh, that would be tougher. Um, LAX is probably easier because you're right there at the water. It's mm-hmm. You can go a lot of, a lot of fun places. London, you're just coming back to the States. Yeah. You're not really going in the, in the other directions. So no, um, LA, you're, you're, you can go to the world. Yeah. You head right over Dockweiler beach and, and right over me, yep. laying down there, <laughs> drinking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Savory or dessert crepes? Both. Uh, together? No. No, no. Not together. <laughs> Just depending on the time I of get, day? 
depends. Yeah, but whether you wherever you are in the world, I like to enjoy what the locals mm. enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. Could be savory. Could be dessert. Just depends. Just depends on what time it is. Dogs or cats? I have both. Um, I grew up with dogs. Um, we have a ragdoll cat that was given to us by a person who couldn't no longer keep it. Um, our dog is Callie. Mm-hmm. Our cat is is Maggie. Um, Callie's getting pretty old, but love her to death. She's probably the nicest dog we've ever had. Um, if I had to say one or the other, I'm a dog person, always have been. But boy, Maggie really works her way into your heart. <laughs> it's appropriate. You can pick both. You can say yes. Dogs or cats? Yes. Yep. I'm an animal guy. I love them all. All right. I, I think I know the answer to this one, but I was just curious. East Texas or West Texas? Our farm is in East Texas, but I love all of Texas. In fact, I love the entire planet. There's no place I go where there isn't something really neat and cool and exciting to see. You go to New York City and you see where the where the uh, the bridges are built and how they had to build those and anchor them into their bedrock. That's pretty interesting. Most people don't even notice it. Yeah, East Texas, we've got the hills and the trees and the and the great fishing. West Texas, you've got the Guadalupe Mountains, the tallest place in Texas. You can see for a hundred miles in all directions. There, there's no bad place. I I loved the beaches in East Texas, particularly when I when I lived in Austin. Uh, drive, driving out to the Mustang Island or, or places like that was mm-hmm. was always a treat. But there was something about West Texas that I, I just always I felt just a little bit calmer. Uh, and that's not saying anything bad about East Texas. It was just something about the the openness and the emptiness of it that got me. So I wasn't sure if there was if there was something where you're like, yeah, I like them all, but but I feel maybe a little more at home in one or the other. My wife loves the trees in East Texas, and obviously we have a tree farm, so mm, mm-hmm. the tree, trees there, and that's where we'll retire, and yeah. that's where I'll be a lot of the time after I'm done flying. All right. Hot or all. cold? Both. At the, the same I don't time? Like either. <laughs> either is fine. Yeah, um, you don't have a preference on that, huh? I, um, I've grown up in Ohio where it was minus 50 and I've mm. been living, I've lived in Arizona where it was, you know, 115, 120. I, what I don't like is when it's 33 or 32 and a half degrees and raining. Mm-hmm. That's miserable. All right. That's, that's really the only weather I can't really defend against quote unquote, wearing the appropriate apparel. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, very much, Brian, for for chatting with me today. This was really fun. Uh, if if folks want to know more about what you do or, or or anything about you, is there a place they should go? I will say that you've inspired me uh, with your uh, "A Week in Tom Merritt" on Substack. I, uh, I actually picked up a uh, I, you know I logged in and said, "Hey, I'm going to give this a try." Nice. I haven't actually finished it yet. Okay. But, uh, I'm, I'm going to at least start talking a little bit. I think I have enough to say that I think it's fair that I at least put it out there and uh, hopefully generate some conversation. That's great, man. That, that That's exactly why I, I've been doing that one that you that you mentioned. Uh, so I, I look forward to it. Let me know when it gets running. Okay. Probably on this next trip. So probably next week. All right. Uh, we will include a link in the show notes, folks, if it's running by the time we post this. Uh, thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Lemos. Thank you for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show with ACAST+. Plus. Click on access exclusive content at awordpodcast.com, and we'll have a word with you next time.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.